Hi, and welcome to the GBI Conversations podcast. My name is Katie Shevin, and I am the host of this first series. The Global Business Initiative on Human Rights is a business-led cross-industry organisation that works to advance business respect for human rights around the world through practical peer learning and by sharing insights from business practice. GBI's team and network of advisors bring deep experience and immersion in business and human rights developments, unique insights into emerging business practices and approaches, and a commitment to working towards meaningful outcomes for affected people. I'm an advisor to GBI focusing on legal developments and responsible transitions. In this podcast series, I'm talking to a number of GBI's advisors and team members about mandatory human rights due diligence requirements. In this series, we'll be exploring questions that aim to support business practitioners to think critically about their company's approach to human rights and to position their company to navigate these new measures in ways that also meet the expectations of their stakeholders. For example, how can you know if your company's human rights due diligence is really good enough? What do you need to know about downstream due diligence? And how are mandatory due diligence laws affecting expectations of companies when it comes to remedying human rights impacts? So today I'm speaking with Jarelle Pashu, Senior Advisor to the Global Business Initiative on Human Rights and Managing Director of Pluto and Associates, a leading global public policy and corporate responsibility consultancy. Gerald, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us. To many of our listeners, you need no introduction. Gerald, you're also known to many in this field from your work with Professor John Ruggie developing the UN Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights, which are the authoritative global standard that sets expectations of business and of government to address human rights impacts connected with business. Now, we're talking today about responsible exit and divestment. So I might begin by asking you to just say a few more words about your professional background and your interest in developments concerning responsible exit and divestment. Yes, well, mostly now, as you have said, I'm now one of those consultants, but my background is mostly in, in public institution. I was with the Swiss Foreign Affairs and then the, the UN, where I was uh, John's special advisor during the, the mandate. And after I stayed at the UN for a while, uh, advising the UN leadership in the executive office of DSG. And I've always been interested by the hard cases and business have to take a decision to to disinvest or to leave. It's probably because the situation is uh, uh, very, very complicated. So it's interesting to try to see how you can navigate that, trying to manage both the interest of business, because it's something we need to always keep in mind, but also the interest and the well-being or the best being of the people affected by business operations. Interesting. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in so many of those conversations. But let's dive in and talk about what is and what will continue to drive focus on responsible exit and divestment in the coming years. I think we've seen a a real growth in focus in this area over the past year or so in particular. And there are a number of very obvious drivers of, of that, you know, the growing recognition of the need for just transitions, the war in Ukraine, the situation in Myanmar and other higher-risk geographies. In your view, will the German supply chain law and other emerging human rights-related legislation 
impact expectations of business when it comes to exit and divestment? I guess what I'm asking here is, is it the law that's driving focus on this topic or, or is it something else? No, I'm sure that the new legal requirements will most certainly put more pressure on business. And like we said earlier, situation of divestment or, or exit are among the most uh, acute forms of violence and, and human rights abuse. So that's where the law could find a way to hit business. But, but I think that, and the examples that you gave, uh, provide a good um, landscape of all the drivers. It can be public pressure, it can be investor pressure, it can be emotional response, as we see uh, in the case of Ukraine, it can be the law. So I think that Regardless of the legal requirements, we will see uh, an increasing pressure on business to behave responsibly, including to the odd end of having to decide to stay or to go. When it comes to business approaches to exit and divestment, what are you seeing? You know, where is progress being made? Do you have any concerns about the current state of play? Do you see any opportunities for greater effort or focus? Well. It's a very wide question, but I see an opportunity not to mess things up in the legal requirements because it's it's the opportunity to discuss the parameters and, and the expectation vis-a-vis an exit, uh, something that we haven't seen really developing, but it's part of the broader discussion. On the optimist side of things, we see more and more business taking their decision to leave uh, and to develop the actual operations to leave or to disinvest being guided by the guiding principles. So that's definitely a plus. And, and the value add of the guiding principle is precisely that they give you a framework, a normative framework, something that has been accepted to help business make the trade-offs that will necessarily come when, when we talk about these kind of situations. So that's the that's probably the positive side of things. The, the negative side of things, of course, is that we don't see enough business, but not only business, but also regulators writ large, ranging from you know investors to to state, using a normative framework and rational approach to uh, to calling for this investment. And one of the best example uh, was probably, well, there are a couple, but one of the best example was probably Myanmar, where we saw a company being pressured to leave, and then a company, the exact same one, being pressured to stay, without really a, a principled approach to the call, which doesn't help the company, but even less so doesn't help the people impacted by this. Similarly, we have seen all these calls to uh, to divest from Russia, and I'm not saying that the calls are not well-founded, but the rationale for it comes from very different uh, reasons, and that can be confusing both for business, but also for regulators and policymakers. So, so I think that if we could try to have a much more of a, of a principle approach, it would help. And the guiding principles actually are providing this framework, but of course, we always live in a world of grays, and even more so when it's a decision to disinvest or to exit, because the, the, the trade-offs will be tough to make. Just staying with this topic of business practice for a minute or two longer, 
what would good look like from your perspective? Are there examples out there of companies who've really taken a thoughtful and rights-respecting approach to exit and divestment? You know, what would you like to be seeing companies doing? Well, it's it's tough to answer that because the companies who have done their homework usually do that in a very confidential way because of the sensitivity of the of the operations and it's not necessarily a bad thing because many of the elements that come into discussion if they were made public would probably put people in uh, jeopardy but we have seen some cases where clearly the analysis was done and a rationale was provided and you know that's that's the idea in the spirit of the guiding principles when uh, they talk about communication it's providing the adequate level of information to stakeholders and, and the broader public on what was done why and how and we, we are starting to see that more and more but but because of the sensitivity of the of the discussions and of the decisions it's tough to point to something specific but what is good is that you, you can see in, in some communication in Myanmar was interesting and we see some emerging discussions around Ukraine also in Russia that there is this principled approach that I, I mentioned and I'm not sticking to principles just for the sake of it but because it gives you clarity and, and regularity in, in what you know business is doing. So when we talk to business practitioners about this topic, I often hear a lot of questions and discussion about the challenges associated with getting exit and divestment right. Why is this such a difficult area of practice? And what do business practitioners need to be thinking about or doing differently to get it right? Yes, that's an excellent question. And it's it's the core of the challenge. We, we have to accept the fact that when you reach a decision where you have to exit or disinvest, you can't reach for the best decision, but the, the less bad of the options that you have. Because the idea, and that's the philosophy of the guiding principles, is always trying to improve the situation. When you reach that stage where you need to terminate the relationship, it means that you don't have leverage and, and there is nothing you can do to improve the situation. But extricate yourself from it. And so that's why the discussions are always so tough because it's it's really trying to maximize a bad and quite often a very bad situation. So you need to start and without any complacency, but you need to start from that premise. You don't do good, you do the less bad you can. And I know that it might sound cynical or or um, disheartening, but that's the reality of the decision. You know, you, you should do everything you can to exercise your leverage and to mitigate the bad situation you are connected with for a business. But if you, you are faced with the choice of having to leave, then it means that it's, it's bad. It's, it's really bad. It's interesting that you note that you know the reality that often what you're aiming to do here is is find the least worst option is you know potentially being kind of disheartening or, or cynical. I think there's a positive lens to that as well because I feel like what we hear from business practitioners, perhaps particularly those who are much newer to working with human rights issues, is that the perception that there is a right answer and that you will, if you're doing it well, be able to achieve a sort of perfect response can be quite 
overwhelming, particularly when they can see a lot of the challenges that mean that, you know, in, in some situations that's simply not going to be possible. And I think being able to be just upfront and direct about the fact that sometimes there will be situations where there is no perfect solution or outcome. It's it's really about finding the the best way forwards within the the constraints of the situation that you're working in can also help unblock, I guess, some of those barriers that make it difficult to get started. Absolutely. But with the caveat that it's not an excuse not to do anything. Because the, the, the flip side of this is, is people saying, oh, but there is nothing we can do and, and we just leave. No, the idea is always to look at the impact on people and to maximize, uh, to be positive, to maximize the good you can do. But yes, the reality of those situation is that we always live in a, in a world of gray, but here we are in the dark gray zone. I agree entirely. I think it's a really important caveat to stress. So before we wrap up, it strikes me that there's a lot that businesses can and should be doing to identify and address human rights impacts when they're considering exit or divestment, and you've discussed some of those with us today. But really, I also think the opportunity to ensure that a company is well positioned to navigate some of these challenges can come much earlier on as well. You know, for example, thinking about what exit might look like at the stage of considering entering a new market or investing in an asset or project. You're asking that question, if if things go pear-shaped, how would we get out? What would we need to think about? And doing that early. Also ensuring that there will be human rights expertise at the table when exit or divestment is being considered to make sure that some of those considerations are factored into what can often be quite rapid and quite closed-door discussions and decisions. When it comes to this sort of governance and planning, what would your recommendations be for business? No, absolutely. And that, that should be the first recommendation because, you know, exiting or, or divesting is almost by definition a crisis situation. So like for any crisis management advice, you know, the best one is plan in advance. Prepare when you are not under uh, the stress of the situation and assess the options because at the end of the day, the pushback against that is is people in companies saying, oh, but we can't prepare for everything everywhere. But that's actually not so true because you have archetype of situation and, and asking yourself and preparing for the possibility that things go south should be part of the development package of any project or relationship. What will we do if things go wrong? And it's actually something that companies do on a very routine basis when, you know, they draft their contracts, for instance. They think about many of the worst case scenario. So one of the additional things that they should do is precisely to assess and to prepare for the situation where they would have to terminate the relationship without, you know, their contractual partner necessarily being at fault. Because that's that's the space of the contract. But what if, you know, the market you are operating in explode? What if you need to leave? And that's something, going back to an earlier question, that we don't see enough. Prepare, because today when you invest in, in some countries, you know that the likelihood of something going terribly wrong is quite high on, on the agenda. The problem is that the forecast from the business side doesn't necessarily look at the human rights or conflict dimension of things. They look at 
you know, more traditional uh, elements. So planning and preparing is most definitely the, the, the first advice, because when you need to decide on the go, just like for any other crisis, it's, it's extremely complicated. And like you said, I mean, well, the answer was in the question, but uh, making sure that uh, when you, you do these preparations, you have your human rights people, whichever way they are described uh, in, in the company that participate to these discussions. Or on the other side, trying to have the human rights people within a company pushing or flagging the issue as early as they can in the business development process and going to their management saying, well, what will we do if X, Y, and Z? And it, you know, it works across all the issues that you may face. What will you do if we see a case of child labor? How will we react? in one of our suppliers or a supplier supplier what what will we do and that we see answer more and more so just asking the next question what will we do if we end up in a situation where we need to go and i think that that's where we need more practice and, and just awareness Javel, thank you so much for your time today. I feel like we covered a lot of ground in, in a relatively short time. Some key takeaways that I flagged as we went along include that it's really important for businesses to be thinking proactively about exit and divestment because the situations where you know companies confronted with that choice tend to be very, very high risk from a human rights perspective whilst also being you know, very challenging to navigate. Secondly, that it's really important when making these decisions to take a, a principled approach and to be guided by standards and expectations uh, like those set out in the UN guiding principles. You know, to be thinking about the, the human rights considerations and issues and, and finding the best, or to put it another way, the least worst way forwards. Thirdly, as part of that, to really focus on how the company is going to communicate about the approach that it's taken, recognising that it's a, a really difficult decision often to, to communicate openly about, but also when you're confronted by competing expectations from key stakeholders, finding ways to have those conversations is going to be really important. And then finally, and, and potentially most importantly, the importance of planning and thinking about exit and divestment early before it gets anywhere where near being a situation or a decision that you actually have to take. Are there any final thoughts on this topic that you wanted to share before we wrap up? No, no, it was an excellent summary to make it a one-liner. It's, it's going to be messy, so be prepared. I think that's really the essence of responsible divestment or exit. If you can plan, then, you know, the dilemma will be easier to manage. The choices will be easier to make. And more importantly, the senior management of a company will be more aware of why you're coming with these kind of questions or why are investors or regulators coming to them with this stuff? It's going to be messy, so be prepared. I love finishing on a, a one-line summary. Uh, that's incredibly helpful and pithy. Thank you again, Gerald, and I wish you a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you, the same.
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate and review it on Apple Podcast and share it with colleagues or peers you think would also get value from it. For more information about GBI, head to our website at gbihr.org. And for more practical insights into how companies are approaching human rights risks and issues, check out the Business Practice Portal, a unique online resource created by business for business, which can be accessed from our website.